We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Gaming Golf. It is Masters Week. We've all got our green on in one way, shape, or form or another there. Uh, we are all there 2019, uh, although we didn't run into Jeff because he was very busy and we were blind, apparently. So uh, it's okay. A lot to talk about, though. It is an exciting week. I'll let us jump right into it here. It's the last major that we've seen, and now it's the first major of 2021. It's considerably different. Jeff, I had you on SiriusXM today. We are talking how the conditions will be quite different. The greens will not be super soft and receiving. They already are talking about how they're a, lot, a little bit harder. The weather will be a little bit different. We will not have minus 20 as a winning score. I don't think so. Uh, I would not take that bet. Um, I think the Masters, back to traditional week on the calendar, back to more traditional course conditions. Uh, it's going to be warm. It's going to be sunny. Uh, I always say it's going to rain once sometime before Sunday, no matter what the forecast predicts. It just always <laughs> seems to happen. But, um, yeah, I would look for firm and fast around. The, I would look for the greens to be as they always are, you know, just so delicate and treacherous and uh, and and pretty incredible to see on television. And just the rest of the course to just generally be firm and fast and uh, just kind of more of what we're used to seeing out of a master's week. Yeah, I think so too, Scott. What 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 sort of uh, scores do you expect this week? Yeah, I think it's going to be more in the the normal kind of April range. I think that uh, for the most part, if you're doing stats or trying to research, I, I throw out uh, I throw out November. I think it's going to be a completely different tournament than it was then. I would use I would use past stats, but I'd kind of toss out the the COVID year uh, stats in there too. And, uh, and the interesting thing is that in addition to the rain that Jeff mentioned, it might be a little windy too. There's a, there's some there's reports of some gusts on uh, on Friday and Saturday, some you know ten to fifteen mile an hour, and then some twenty twenty mile an hour gusts that could really change the course a little bit if it's playing firm and fast and you get some wind uh, you know suddenly there's different kind of players that could thrive in that so uh, i think weather uh, and you know kind of when guys tee off on thursday and friday might uh, might play into this especially on uh, on DraftKings if you're trying to you know stack some tee time stuff like that there's an interesting uh, strategy a- a- angle to that yeah i guess i was just going to ask you about that so do you want to try to find the late golfers thursday early golfers friday is that the plan yeah, I mean it's tough. I, I probably have a couple lineups where I, where I do that. You, it's always a little dangerous though, because Jeff mentioned the rain. If you suddenly get rain that pushes everything three four hours, then suddenly those tee times flip, and you, you you've hit, you've picked the wrong guys. So um, I I don't do it with a with a, a bulk of my lineups, but I might have a couple in there where I take all early guys on on Thursday or something like that. Maybe try and avoid uh, some late wind on Thursday or something like that. But uh, yeah, I think it's it gets, and it's one of the things you maybe pay more attention to is it gets closer. We're uh, we're at Tuesday midday kind of now. Maybe look uh, Wednesday night and kind of shift a few lineups. To some to tea time stacks if it looks like it might uh, really be advantageous to one time or the other. It's uh, one of the things that you never thought you'd have to think about before <laughs> you started doing DFS golf, and then right. you hear about it every single week now. It's kind yeah. of funny. 
uh, about that there. Jordan Spieth won last week the Valero, bearing the lead, but you know, he always you know, has a pretty good track record here at Augusta. Not here, but at Augusta, where they're playing this week, obviously. Uh, you want to get a little Jordan Spieth in your lineups this week. We'll start with you, Scott, this time. I mean, I think the interesting thing about Spieth is that pricing came out on DraftKings for the Masters before Valero ended. So I think you're going to you see him probably probably a thousand a thousand less than he would have been had they done it uh, kind of in the normal timing. But, you know, obviously got big contests out for the Masters. They got the Millie Maker this week. They want those entries to start to come in before that ends. And Spieth at ninety four hundred is going to be insanely popular, um, so popular to the point that I'm probably going to be underweight on him this week. Underweight, but not shutting out, right? Probably Sorry, not. Jeff. Probably not shutting out fully. I want a few pieces there. I mean, he's just playing so well for the price. Um, but there's a lot of guys in the in the nines. There's a lot of guys in the eight ranges I really like, and uh, I think that uh, I probably will. I probably will not have as many a higher percent a higher percentages as most people will. See, I think sometimes, and I, I lean I lean often on my journalistic roots when placing bets, and no, never is it more apparent than Masters Week where you have. All these great stories converge every time. First week of April, you've got so much all kind of like leading to this. Spieth, you know, is like the cherry on top. The fact that he won last week, it proves that he's back. I mean, an on-form Jordan Spieth was the first first five times he played Augusta. He didn't finish outside the top 11. And even the last couple of years when he was drifting, he still made the cut. So I think it's very hard to leave him outside of a fantasy lineup. It just, especially the, the daily fantasy stuff, it just... You want to root for him anyway? Why, why? Why go against this? Why root against what's happening right now? I think, I think it's a good. I just think he's a good bet this week. I think. I think in pools, like in the classic, this is a different format to discuss. But in the office pool, where you're going to pick five golfers from different buckets of world rankings, if you get Jordan Spieth as the, the 38th player in that pool, which is you know be maybe the third bucket or third member of your team, that's an auto pick for me. I mean, that's just you got to just take him, but. I think it's a fun story to watch, and I, I would never fade a player whose confidence is peaking heading into Augusta, let alone someone who likes Speed's track record. So there's a lot of guys that are tempting on that same price range on DFS, but I will probably be overweight uh, Jordan Speed picks this week. And I just, uh, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite stories to pull for. It's fun to watch, and uh, I, I think it's come together at the right time for him. We're coming off of Easter, so I'm going to be overweight, period. But uh, yeah, I got that going for us. But now, I, I hear you. Uh, and it, it's funny to see, like, trying to play game theory there. Whether you're playing – if you're playing a cash game versus a tournament, I mean, Definitely, I think that makes a sure. big difference too. Cash game, I have no problem being overweight on a guy. You know, just fine. If everyone uses them, it's, if it's still the if – it's, if it's the free square, you, you take the free square. And I think the key is that if you do take him, then you just have to be different somewhere else. I mean, you're not going to be – you don't want to fade all six of your slots on drafting. You don't have to do that. And, like, as we get lower, we're going to see some guys going to be really high percentage in the sevens and sixes also. So I think it's, like, one of those things. If you take Jordan Speed, then probably you don't take Corey Connors, who's vastly underpriced. Maybe you go someone else in that 6,000 range. So I think if you do take Speed, uh, you just got to make sure you're a little bit different elsewhere. Because, I mean, the point is you're – if you're entering a tournament, you're trying to win or finish in the top ten where all the money is stacked. And, you know, you need to be a little bit different in order to, to, to get yourself uh, up to the top there. You probably need to hit on something different. Um, but, you know, some people do that, and they, they want six guys at low percentage. And I don't think you want to do that. You want I mean, guys are high percentage for a reason. You just got to make sure you're different somewhere, not uh, not necessarily everywhere. Let's talk Corey Connors for a second there, because Jeff and I were talking about him on SiriusXM today. Uh, 6,900. If you use any sort of optimizer, he's going to be in every, all those optimizer lineups, including Rotowires. Uh, but I, here's the case against Corey Connors. He's not a good putter. Of all the putters in the field, he's third worst in putts per round at 30.0 putts per round. I mean, and Augusta is a place where you need to putt, right? Well, you need to do everything at Augusta. I think think the one area where putting stats can be a little bit deceptive at Augusta is that you can make up a lot of ground on putting just by hitting it close. And Corey Mm -hmm. Connors, putting stats aren't great. Uh, I believe iron play has been one of his uh, an area where he's been able to hang his hat a little bit. And I, I like the fact that he's got a top 10 now in this event under his belt. It, it was the November masters, but top, That's 10, true. top 10, uh, I think, I think Scott, you picked him for the Valero last week. I mean, he's been placed, had a good year. Yes. He's 14th last week, I think at Valero. So I think at that price, you know, when you're talking about building a, a, a DFS team, I think he's going to get a lot of lot of action there at the price that he is now. I, I think he comes in 
the most popular under 7,000 for sure and top five overall most popular in the field. I think you always get some guys at the top that be popular. I think Spieth will be probably the most popular, but I think Connor is among, say, below 8,000. I mean, he's just mispriced. He's, he's six out like a sore thumb at 6,900. I ran the model I run, you know, look using the stats for this tournament. He came in fifth overall in the whole field. So, like, and I did I do that over the last 36 rounds. And, you know, top 15 last three tourneys, finished 10th in the Masters, as Jeff uh, mentioned. Um, he's gained uh, four more shots, tee degree in eight of his last nine tourneys. He's just hitting the ball great, um, Jeff. The, the Erickson. The point about putting does is true, and you know putting here is one of those things that experience matters. But he has played here a couple times now, so I like that. I just think that I just think he's he should be probably eighty two hundred. He's sixty nine hundred. It's just it's just such a such a price that sticks out. The betting odds are pretty good too. At least to go, I'm looking at golfodds.com. Um, that's where I usually go. I mean, I don't know about the various individual books, but 100 to one seems like a pretty good price too. Love him at that. He's he's 80 to one on the on the DraftKings sports book. I think that uh, if you're going to go, we'll talk long shot bets later. But um, you know, among the guys over 50 to one, he's certainly one of those guys that can actually win this tournament. All right, so we've gone nine minutes. Uh, we haven't talked about Dustin Johnson yet, the defending <laughs> champion. Uh, did the whole enter and then withdraw thing last week at Valero? Didn't play. Uh, he's eight to one where I see him, uh, and you, you might have some other odds there, so we can talk about that. But obviously, he's not—he's not cheap. Uh, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny for him. Eleven five on DraftKings, most expensive player, I think. Uh, yeah. So where are we? Are, are you going to spend up on Dustin Johnson this week? I probably am not, and it's not. It's really just because you've got to pick. I mean, you got to pick your spots. You can make you can make a, a very strong case for just about everybody in the world top ten right now. Mm-hmm. You can't have them all, uh, and it's just odds are it's very difficult to repeat in this event. It's certainly, if DJ puts a green jacket on DJ on himself on Sunday, I don't think anybody would be that that surprised. But um, I just it's it's more of a hunch as much as anything. He hasn't been playing that great this year. I mean, he did. You know, he's, he got in the match play, and then he, he didn't get through the second round. Then just kind of like well, he pulled out of Valero um, to get ready for this. I, I just I lean to some other spots in the top ten of guys who just it feels like their time is now and they're peaking right now as a tiebreaker. But certainly mixing in Dustin Johnson, if you're going to set more, multiple DFS lineups, I'd sprinkle him in. Yeah, it's funny because I have a couple of guys in the top uh, top ten of the players of the world that I really like this week a little bit more. But I want to ask you guys before we do that, since we're talking top ten, where are you guys on Rory this week? Right out, man. I just rooting for him, but I'm out. Yeah, I, I think I'm out, and maybe it's almost like maybe this is the time to get in. Like it's the classic Mickelson bet of yeah. like just when you think there, now, nah, no way. That's when Phil would pop up and, and win the Masters or win a British Open. Or, you know, he has a little bit of, of Phil in him, especially lately. But I just – I don't know. I think I think he's a little farther off this year, that it's more than just a slump. He's kind of let us – as he does, being candid and, you know, he's one of, one of the best interviews in golf, that, that he's opened himself up and admitted that kind of the Bryson DeChambeau effect uh, chasing those yards has had on his swing. So I don't – I just don't – I don't like going picking guys who are going to the Masters driving range, searching for it. Yeah. You know, you got to have it when you walk out of that range. So I think I would just go another way. If Rory, if this is the year for Rory, obviously it would be one uh, among the incredible storylines or things that could happen this week. That is a, a career grand slams right up there. It'd be great for golf. Great for Rory. Obviously, if it happened, but I'd go another way in the top of those top ten players. I guess he's now eleventh. Uh, I, I'd lean elsewhere among the top guys. If uh, if I told you six months ago that we go to the Masters and and Spieth would be more of a favorite than Roy McIlroy, you would have thought I was crazy. It's it's wild. So so what's your opinion? You asked the question, Scott. What do you say? Man, I want to be on so much. And it's so funny. We talk about you know he's just struggling so much. He still has two top tens his last three tournaments, but it's struggling for Rory. He missed the cut at the players. He was just he was so bad at the players. Like putted badly. Was bad tee to green. Was bad off the tee. It's such a strange tournament for him. That and so fresh. And then afterwards, he talked about like Jeff talking about kind of Bryson being his head a little bit. Um, you know, he's still what is he nineteen to one to win? Is he's not like he's uh, any kind of uh, you're not getting any kind of great odds. Um, I just like John Rahm and Justin Thomas more this week when I'm looking at guys kind of under 20 to 1. 
Yeah, uh, and you know, ten two on DraftKings. It's cheap. It's it's a it's a pay pay cut uh, compared to uh, DJ compared to Rom. Yeah, Bryson is more. Uh, JT is only four hundred more. Uh, I, I think that's actually a pretty good price. Ten uh, six for him, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Now the thing is, he he got smoked by Poulter uh, in the first round of the uh, you know match play, and then he kind of got it, kind of recovered the next two days. I did like that from him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, you like that, but I would have liked it more if he'd gone through. Uh, yeah, sure. And <laughs> of I course. Just, I just played more competitive golf. Just, I just would have liked to see more, but... Certainly, he's played Augusta National enough. I mean, uh, the the course fits his game wonderfully when his game is there, you know, and he's clicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got enough top tens and enough and a, and a mix of scar tissue at this place. He's, he's done just about everything but win already in his career and still in his early 30s. So it'd be a great story. Uh, if I if it's a bet, you know, if you're just placing the straight bets, you know, I, I would I would certainly love to have a Rory ticket. But for DFS, I don't know. I'd probably just lean elsewhere. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Bryson DeChambeau tried to outmuscle the course and failed last year. Helped, uh, it was hurt by a lack of gallery and finding his ball once, and that could be an issue again this year, uh, too. But uh, do you think he comes in a little differently having been humbled last fall? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say humbled, but, you know, the way he goes about it is he's got he's got new data to compute mm-hmm. and he's talking about different lines he's going to take on some of the par fours. This more filming this on Tuesday afternoon. So Bryson spoke uh, this morning, talked a little bit about uh, kind of uh, the lessons from November and some new opportunities. I mean, he, I believe he said in a, a paraphrasing that he sees that he, he can do some things differently. Than the rest of the field, he's just got to he's just got to take advantage of uh, of the power that he has and put himself in those spots to have easy approach shots to set himself up for birdies that will be tougher for the rest of the field. So this course is there for Bryson, uh, but you know it he hasn't really come close in this one yet. But you certainly he'd be on the short list of guys where you would say if it clicks, a game good enough to win and good enough, you know, to win by, to do a Dustin Johnson from last year, win going away, if it all uh, comes together for him this week. Did you guys see the clip of him on the range with VJ Singh just sitting there watching him laughing? <laughs> it's kind no. of classic. He's like swing, not only swinging off his ass, but like hitting a ball every like 12 seconds. Like it was a weird thing. Like he'd swing as hard as he could and all of a sudden call for a ball and hit again. Like it just, it, it, I think the quote was uh, someone said on, on Golf Channel that Fred Couples hit less balls in an hour than Bryson hit in like four minutes on the range. It was just so. And VJ, yeah. VJ's sitting there smiling, sitting there standing next to him, just laughing at what a, what a sight the whole thing is. I mean, I, is, made a, I just said, you, I don't like to pick players who are searching for it at the driving range, but I don't even <laughs> really know what to do with a player who's doing speed training. <laughs> On the on the range, yeah. you know, in front of their it was wild. It was wild. It was wild, wild to see. Yeah. yeah, 
Which is and it's funny that VJ is the guy that's watching that and laughing because VJ is known as being a, yeah. a, a driving range animal. Yeah, you know that that's one thing about VJ is no one ever accused him of not working on his game. Yeah, it was it was just wild. I mean, he's literally just sitting there swinging as hard as he can and, and hitting as fat, as many shots as he can. And it's it, the whole thing was crazy. It was funny. That that is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, Justin Thomas, we last saw him. He uh, well, he got knocked out of the match play, but before that, in a, in a stroke play tournament, he won the players. Uh, you got to like that. Uh, he, he's ten six here on DraftKings. Uh, he, he, I, where do you see him on DraftKings on odds? I use twelve to one on GolfOdds.com. Uh, he's got to be pretty high on the uh, odds to win, though. Yeah, he's. Uh, I see him eleven and a half to one. Same odds as Spieth to win on on DraftKings. And um, he and Rom are my two favorite guys at the top. Uh, the guys that I'll be playing in DraftKings, and uh, I bet I can't bet both of them really because the odds are too high. But I, I think John Rom wins this week, so he's probably going to be my bet. But Justin Thomas, I mean, last 11 events, 10 top 15s. It's an absurd stat. He had one miscut in that stretch. He played really badly in one tournament. But 10 top 15s, I mean, that's competing every mm-hmm. single week. Six top 10s. Uh, he had huge TD Green approach numbers, the players, when he won. I mean, it just it's hard to argue against JT at all. The only thing I would do is uh, I, the only reason I argue against him is I like Rom a little more. I think uh, I think it's Rom's time. He hasn't won a major yet. I think it's the time this uh, this year. He finished seventh here in 2020, sixth in tw- or ninth in 2019, fourth in 2018. Uh, he had the baby, so the risk of him walking off the course on Sunday in the back nine with the lead is gone. Um, you know, six events in 2020, four top tens. Hasn't missed a cut since June, and that was the first event past COVID. I just feel like everything is building right now for John Rom to, to win the Masters this week. Uh, it's it's all yeah. He's on my short list as well, Scott. We've been we've been kind of locked in the last few weeks. Kinda we got we got we got to make that we got to make that pay off now that now that we got this. I know. Yeah. I, I think Rom. I, I mean, for so long, especially early in his career, it was like a temperament thing where you could almost like set your watch to like the first bogey John Rom makes on the weekend at a major is like that's it. That's the detonation, and that's the end of his time contending. And he's been. That has been improving steadily, especially the last couple of years. And you can't help but wonder, you know, if fatherhood and there's, I mean, there's the statistical case and then there's the cosmic case, right? Of like, you know, here it is, a new phase of life and a new perspective. And uh, everything Scott said, all those stats are, are great. But I just think there, there's the intangible uh, factor now with Ram as well that makes him very, very tempting this week as a pick. Scott is going to provide the statistical case every week, and Jeff's <laughs> going to provide the narrative every week. So I like that. That's, I like that, that too. Physical. <laughs> uh, any guys in the elite tier that you're you're clearly fading that you don't want any piece of? Um, I won't. I mean, more. It's more that I just like other guys more, but I won't. Uh, I'm not going to have any Bryson this week. I think that uh, you know he could obviously win, but I think if the guys in that mix, he's the one that has a, has a lower floor for me. I just. Uh, you know, like Jeff said, he hasn't quite got it done here. I'm going to take some interesting lines, and maybe he figures it out. But uh, of the top guys, he's probably the one I'm staying uh, staying away from. I won't be betting Spieth. Uh, I think Spieth's a play more on DraftKings for me. But at eleven to one, um, usually it's usually hard when a guy wins the week before. Anyway, I tend to not go for back to back winners. But uh, I just think those odds are a little bit too low when I when I put them up. But you know, same odds as JT, same odds as Rom, uh, shorter than Rory. So uh, it, betting wise, uh, Bryson and Jordan would be the answer for me on that one. I would probably fade Bryson and Rory for reasons we described. The one guy I'm not sure what I want to do with yet is Kepka. Uh, coming back from a knee injury, uh, newly engaged, we found out, thanks to a social media announcement. That, uh, uh, that, 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 maybe a little. that ring was insane, by the way. Yeah, that ring is, <laughs> yeah it's a, I don't know if it's a ring or more like a satellite for your <laughs> finger, but it's yeah. – uh, I don't know. And there's like an intangible there where I feel like he's – I feel like he's a little – just a little surly, a little grouchy on social media. He's kind of tweeting about being uh, kind of overlooked heading into this week and a little disrespect. I just think he's a guy who plays well with a chip on his shoulder, manufactured or otherwise. I just don't know. I don't know if this is – I don't know if you want to come back to the Masters like this, you know, fresh off uh, fresh off a break. It's a tall order. Uh, it's ten- I will probably plug him into a couple of my DFS lineups, but I don't know that I would go all in on, you know, other – tickets or that sort of thing he's an interesting guy for it's, me this week it's funny because we talked jeff mentioned earlier you know we all were there in 2019 and, and from walking that course i think it worries me a little bit with a guy coming back from a knee injury i mean it's a, the undulations and up and down walking that course for four days that can't be easy on a dude with a bad knee right well he's not carrying his bag Still, uh, <laughs> there is that 
I, I just think it's more rust than anything. I, I just don't know what is his preparation level for uh, the variety of shots that Augusta demands. But he's got he's got a great track record already at the event. And, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be a shocker for me if he if he was the guy on Sunday. And I, and I feel like he is a little bit overlooked as we as we head into this. Yeah, um, he's going to play nine holes every day to, in his preparation was what he was saying, too. I mean, it, he he has a history of like shocking, you know, surprising us when we're not expecting it. And at the same time, he also has a history of underplaying his injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that makes yeah. it a little bit difficult. At least we know for sure he had surgery this time. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it, it, he's a tough call. I'll tell you the guy I'm struggling a little bit is uh, Xander. You know, he had such a great run of top 10s, top 15s. Missed one cut. Happened to be the TPC, though. Uh, it, you know, it's like at, at 10,000, you really it, – it precludes you from getting – if you go with him, it precludes you from another guy in, in the five digits or it, it costs you another guy in the 9,000s. So really, the opportunity cost of using him is pretty high, but he used to be so darn consistent, and especially at Augusta. Yeah, I again, I think it's just there's just other top 10, top 12 players that are that just seem to have more going for them in this moment. Uh, and and yeah, Xander for a long time looked like he was going to be the guy, just he's just knocking on the door every major championship, it seemed like. Uh, but I don't know, I, I just find more compelling reasons to pick to, to lean towards other players more so than a fade against Xander personally. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, you're just picking great players up here, and when I'm going to do that, you have to find little things that you you push you guys. And for me, it's just Xander hasn't played very well the last couple of tournaments. So maybe the form's not quite as good as the other guys. He was unbelievably good, like the eight week eight tournaments before that. So I mean, he was on fire. But you know, the uh, he, he lost uh, shots uh, total on in WGC Mexico and in the players missed the cut there. There's probably enough there the last two events, and he could certainly come out here and, and, and do really well. But uh, I'm just going to take the other guys in the top range just because they're playing a little better at the exact moment. Scott, uh, you're building your DraftKings lineup. Is it imperative to get a top guy, or can you build a, a, a competitive lineup using maybe multiple guys in the nines and eights instead? I think the great part of majors is we have so many good players and there's there's actually playable guys in every range. I mean, we're talking about Corey Connors at 6,900. We don't get that at Valero. Like, we're looking at guys that we, right. have, we haven't heard of, we know of, but, like, we, we know that they have a really good chance to miss the cut. And a key here is there's not as many players. A lot more percentage of guys make the cut at, uh, at Augusta than other tournaments. So, you know, getting six right. of six is a must. Um, I think the, you can build both ways. You can, you can go with a couple guys in the nines, a couple guys in the eights, and get to, in the sevens. You can really build a nice balanced lineup. But with the event, Available names in the 6,000s, um, I think in most lamps, I'll probably have at least one guy over 10. You can even build like a, a Rom Thomas or a Rom Bryce, whatever two guys you wanted up there. You could do two of them and get some guys in 6,000. So there are, I think there's a lot more ways to build in a tournament like this than there are normal weeks, which I, which I really find fun. I think the majors are not only more fun from watching and just, they just mean more, but more fun because there are, there are a lot of different ways to attack this. Whereas a lot of these middling tournaments, like everybody kind of plays the, the same stars and scrubs, the same balance based on the salaries. And I think you could build a lot of different ways this way, which is fun. See, I don't know. I feel more inclined to just go stars and then the best, you know, the best track records I can find in that lower range. There's so many great players that because the field's smaller, uh, you know, these guys in the sixth out, Matt Kuchers, like 68 or 60. I mean, I mean, he'll, you know, what he did earlier this year and his track record at Augusta. um, he it seems like he backdoors the top six every other year at the Masters. Use your your hole in one on Sunday to do it. Yeah, yeah. whatever it takes. He'll get that. He'll get that T six. Uh, but I think he's a great addition. You know, there's those type of guys that you can plug into a lineup to give yourself that second star. You know, at, at the top of your your daily fantasy lineup. I think it's just take advantage of that. Take take two horses and then find a way to build with that around it. And you don't even have to. I mean, like a Bernhard Longer is fun, and it's probably it seems like he's fifty fifty to make a cut every year. But I, I just don't think you even need to go down that road because there's enough guys. Just another rung up the up the ladder, uh, priced competitively that you can use to round out your lineup. So I don't know. I think I think the Masters. I, I mean, yeah, there's different ways you can build it, but I think in a way because the field's smaller and because we there's so much data and there's so much we can spot these trends. I don't know. I think it's, in a way it's the most predictable in, in some ways. To, to You can just kind of narrow things down faster and easier. You can take 30 guys and just kind of set them on the shelf that they're going to, you know, they're going to play their two rounds and they're unlikely to continue. And so now you're already working with this list of about 40 guys who could win. And I think the other, other majors just it, it's 
it's a deeper pool than that that you're looking at. So um, I think it's something to embrace. It makes the it makes this it makes this exercise fun. It also makes those last two or three guys you pick in these daily fantasy lineups. That's where you're going to win this pool. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I think not having a top ten guy or even two of them. I think you're overthinking it at that point. So. Another factor is experience at this course. It's been mentioned before, like Daniel Berger didn't get to play here last year. Uh, he didn't qualify, although he has, I think he has at other times. Uh, Victor Hovland didn't play here last year. However, in 2019, he was there as an amateur and made the cut. Uh, so there is some experience. But Joaquin Neiman hasn't missed a cut all year, 12 for 12 in, in cuts this season, only 7,400. But then you realize, okay, he's never played Augusta. How uh, Does that kind of cross him off your list or... Uh, would you use him still as a building block, uh, trying to fit him in and make some other things fit? I'm out. Uh, it's just the data is the data. I mean, Joaquin Newman's a great player, and he, he may he may be a big factor this week. And I, you know, I'm wrong, but you gotta you gotta take some stands somewhere. And I just I look at those trends, and it 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 just no first time Masters uh, invitee has won since Fuzzy '79. You'll see yep. that stat tossed up on the broadcast when Neiman's leading on Thursday. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, you got to kind of play the odds, I think. And, and it just that's that's one example of a data point we have with Augusta that I would say you might as well take advantage of it. Now, of course, maybe the way to make money is is yin when they yang. But I would say for me, it's just that's just using the information and just making my pool of of contenders simpler and, and easier to to get through. He's not a cross-off for me. Um, I, I think the price is just keeps him in it for me. 7400 is really cheap. He did play here, though, right? Did he, he missed the cut in 2018? Oh, I didn't scroll far enough on him. Uh, oh, I bad. thought this was his first time. Oh, okay. No, he missed well, – uh, he, sh- he shot 76-77 in 2018. Uh, so, I got to rewind that one. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a very good performance. And I don't know how much he learned of the course considering he was all over the place. He was right. plus nine. But no, no, that counts. That counts. It, you got a full week of practice. That's, got, that's the thing, right? You get all those practice days and the greens counts. and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I just think that a player this good at 7,400 – I mean he missed it in, in November due to COVID. But um, you know, struggled around the green a bit the last few weeks. It's kind of the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause. You don't want – you want guys right. that are really good around the greens right now. And he had been struggled last few weeks but made 14 straight cuts. He was competing for wins uh, in January and February. Um, he's still in my player pool. Uh, 7,400 maybe not quite the slam dunk that normally would be uh, for someone like this just based on the fact that the lack of experience and a little bit of struggling around the greens. But uh, – Definitely my player pool at 7,400. I think he makes uh, an interesting play for a guy that's that good at that price. Yeah. Okay, so I'll throw another one there that I know hasn't played there. Zalatoris uh, is another guy uh, in that in that pod, if you will. And he's 7,300. He also is not the greatest around the greens. Uh, you know, 29.4 putts per round. Uh, that That's pretty low on the list or high on the list, depending on how you want to characterize it. It's as many – It's it's he putts more than most people. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's funny because I had him listed here, and then I had I wanted to ask Jeff Ritter about the, the not playing there and how much that impacts him because obviously he's playing great, but he's definitely the guy that has has not played at the at the Masters, and I was I was curious uh, what Jeff thought, and I think he answered that when he was talking about Neiman. But I mean, the talent's there, but like you mentioned, the putting has been a little all over the place, and you know he's kind of been in contention but hasn't quite got over the top. You know, in the PGA, it's been a lot tougher than Corn Ferry, but I mean, so talented. I just think I'm finding other guys in the range I'm probably going to use over a guy playing his first time. Yeah, so Zella Torres, uh, Robert McIntyre, Bobby Mack, yep. uh, match play sensation, and and then uh, Carlos Ortiz are your three pros uh, playing for the first time. All immediate fades for me. Uh, I, I will happily eat crow on uh, Monday morning if I'm wrong, but you gotta you gotta draw some lines somewhere. You do. Uh, yeah, and so Bobby Mack's putting stats aren't good either, so uh, that that's another reason to kind of just knock him off as like you, as a possible cheap. That that kind of speaks to one thing, like how you go about building a lineup. I think it's got to be pretty helpful to just to find guys to cross off, find reasons not to. Yep. Uh, just narrow your options a little bit, especially when it's such a loaded tournament. You know, it, it's got to be pretty helpful to say, okay, I don't want these guys. Now, who do I want as my lower my lower price guys? How can, who are my you know? Sometimes you build from the bottom instead of building from the top, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that you know finding those guys in the six thousands and know enables you to know what you can do at the top. I mean, if you find two guys in the sixes you really like, then suddenly you know you can go you know two tens or a ten and two nines or whatever it may be. And 
I wanted to ask you guys about two guys in the nines, though, before we get really cheap. Uh, Patrick Reed at 9,300, Tony Finau at 9,100. Where are you guys on them right now? Because I really like Reed this week. Uh, last four events, three top 25s and a win. If it does get a little windy, get a little bit of rough weather, Jeff mentioned some rain coming. Um, he's so good around the green. I kind of like his chances if, if if we get a little bit of uh, you know not perfect weather in Georgia this week. Yeah, I mean, Finau, we could talk about every time he's in a tournament at this point. It's like, it's, you know, he's way past due. Uh, and he's he's been right there at Augusta as well. He's another guy you could say he's done just about everything but win. Um, but I, I like Reed a lot. I, I think just exactly you nailed it, Scott. Of uh, I think the if the weather is worse, the, the worsening weather would be better for Reed, who, who can really have his – you know, he can win a jacket on a short game. It's what he did last time in 2018 when he won. It was really chipping putting uh, that separated him from the field, his ability to get up and down from everywhere and anywhere. So, yeah, Reed, Reed is a tempting guy. I just I kept I just kept going off that 10,000 line. on the. I just kept going with top 10 players, and then I just found myself stars and scrubs, stars and scrubs with this one because I don't find the scrubs to be very scrubby. Uh, when a lot of them have the track records they do at, at the Masters. But Reed, Reed of the two, he's one that, you know, I, I kind of find myself pausing as I go down the list. Like, do I want to try to get him in a few more of these lineups? Um, I, it does sort of feel like maybe it's his time to, to make some noise again also. He's playing well. All the reasons you said, Scott. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be in at thirty-five to one this week on Reed. I like, I like mm-hmm. those odds as a uh, throw a dart on that bet because I think that uh, I like him and right behind him, Matthew Fitzpatrick's forty to one and playing exceptionally well right now. Are you guys, you guys in on on Fitz this week? Ah, uh, I gotta pull up his track. I don't, I don't remember. I feel like he had a, a kind of a mediocre track record at this event, if I'm not mistaken. I, I breezed through him the other day. I don't think he's got any top tens at the Masters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Four uh, uh, four starts this season in the PGA Tour, top eleven in all four of them. Okay, well, I mean, if the only way to get to break through at the Masters is to just break through, right? You got to got to get out in front of it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't have Fitzpatrick now, but I might give it a second look now that now that you've now that you flagged him for me. He was uh, he was he was forty sixth here last year. Then he was twenty first in twenty nineteen. Uh, 38th in 2018, 32nd in 2017, and then finished 7th in 2016. Oh, he does have one top. Yeah, he has one top, one top 10 away back, and but making cuts. I, I He missed the cut in back in 2014, his first time, but made the cut, whatever that is, five times in a row. Um, I just think he's another guy, 8,100. The price seems really tempting on Fitz, uh, both from a DraftKings play and a bet play. I think that uh, there's a guy that's playing exceptionally well right now. Indeed. I'll tell you the guy I like in the 7,000s. Uh, Plate had three really good rounds last year at the Masters and not so much on Sunday, and that's Abraham Answer. We talked about him last week a little bit. Uh, he was okay, 23rd, uh, but he's just a good golfer. And at 7,400, I, I feel pretty good, A, about him making the cut, and B, being on that leaderboard a little bit here and there. You may not win, and maybe you want a guy that you know that's, that, that you think has a better chance to win. I can see that, but... I feel like, especially, he's like a cash game building block for me. That's a good pick. I like, I got one other one for you that's, um, you wonder if it's too, starting to get late early, but I think Jason Day, 7,500. How many tops tens in this event does Jason Day have? Uh, it, it feels like it was every year there for like a solid eight or nine years. Um, I bet he's got five or six out of the last, out of the last 10 years. Um, I don't know that I usually when I when I get to that level, I'm still thinking I want to make a case for a guy who could win. And I'm not sure it's Jason Day's time to win, but uh, it feels like it might be Day's time for another uh, T4, <laughs> which which you're making money on it on that pick at that point. So but there's a lot this 7000 to 8000 tier is um, is tantalizing Sergio playing well. Uh, Paul Casey, you know, I, I, man, uh, Louie. Louis pops up every couple of years. He's all of a sudden he's there on Sunday in one of these. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of potential, a lot of possibilities with lineups in that tier. I think I think Casey's going to be the most popular guy in this range. I think 7700. He's going to be really high percentage. Uh, six events this year between the PGA and Euro Tour hasn't finished worse than 12th and had a win on the Euro Tour. He was top 10, top six at the Masters uh, every year from 2015, 2016, 2017. Um, I think he's been really popular. Might be a, a spot where I go some different guys just because I, you know, if I can, there's so many guys in seven that I like. You mentioned Louis. 
Uh, Jeff was talking about putting earlier. He's number one in the field in shots getting putting over the last 36 rounds. So you want a guy that's uh, that's stroking it that's well in the greens. It's, mm. uh, it's, it's Louis right now. <laughs> Which is the first guy you'd think of, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Granted, granted, he may he may withdraw after you know uh, twenty seven holes, but uh, uh, you always run that uh, risk with Louis a little bit. But at least the major, like you got to think that it won't be one of those WD weeks. But uh, he finished twenty third here in November at seventy five hundred. I think he's a guy that might go a little bit under the radar just with with so many with Neiman right there and with Casey right there. Some guys right around him. I think maybe you get get a good uh, good percentage ownership on Louis. All right, let's dip into the the super cheap level into the six thousands. We we've, we've talked about Corey Connors already. Uh, is there anybody else? Matt Kuchar's at 68. Uh, who, who else? Anybody else jump out to you that's like, hey, that's a pretty good value? Uh, I have three names down here besides Connors. So even if you so if you wanted to go double sixes or if you wanted to pivot off Connors to get his percentage ownership, uh, gain some game theory there. Uh, I think Jake, Jason Kokrak at 6,800 is interesting. Um, the last uh, three events, he's been top 10 in all three very quietly. He hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't won, but the top 10 three in a row, he's made seven straight cuts. I think Siwoo Kim, if you're playing in a tournament, is really interesting. He won at Amex in January. Uh, top 25 last two weeks at players in Valero. Top 30 his last three appearances in the Masters. So he's played well in Augusta. He's a guy that he could, he could another guy has a WD risk and could miss the cut. And if he blows up, he usually blows up big. But a guy who could, you know, has some a little bit of win equity, which you don't get down here at 6,700 very often. And my last guy at 6,600 because it comes up really high in some of the models I ran is Ryan Palmer. Uh, he's been played seven events in 2021, seven made cuts, four top 20s, uh, top 25 in this field in uh, T to green, shot gained putting, birdie opportunities gained in the last 36 rounds. So someone that's just really, really solid right now. You know, I don't think he can win this tournament, but at 6,600, if he finished, you know, T13, uh, that's a really, that's a really good spot to be able to get some more expensive guys in. So those are the guys, uh, those three and Connors are the ones that I'm really focusing on under 7,000. I love love Connors. I like the C Wu pick a lot for all the reasons you said. I would not be afraid to mix in Ian Poulter into some lineups. Uh, veteran again, just go with experience. Go with go with a guy who's playing well, feeling good. Uh, I would mix in some Poulter, and then just for a pure uh, YOLO pick, you got you got you can't. You gotta, someone's got to talk about Phil. You got to just say if you want to just have fun this weekend, you got to might as well throw a dart there. And uh, there's there's certainly on paper very little reason for optimism, uh, which, as we said at the top, is often when Phil Mickelson strikes. So you just you never know. Um, and if, it's, if he's going to make any noise in any major this year, this is the one and this is the week. So the year is 2027. Jeff is still bringing up <laughs> Phil. Uh, <laughs> Got to get Phil in that lineup one more time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So let, let's let's look at what. What's your like when your first lineup went together? What did you put together, Scott? Uh, I've been playing around with it. I haven't really fully set a lineup yet. But when I when I did it, it was it was Rom at the top, and then um, one guy in the nine thousands, probably probably Reed, and then I was getting cheap uh, with Neiman, and then two guys in the six, maybe Connors and Siwoo or Connors and Palmer, and then I have to do the math there. But probably that puts gives me one guy in the low eight. Probably Fitzpatrick somewhere in there. I don't know if that fully adds up, but uh, that was kind of what I was doing. Um, a nine and a ten and an eight, and then uh, a couple sixes and a seven was kind of how I was building it. Um, one guy in the eights I want to ask you about before we before we jump out. What are you guys on Hideki right now? Uh, not playing great, but made the cut at Augusta the last six years. He's been top twenty five times in that stretch. Um, not playing well, but has been top 33 last four weeks. He's a bad putter, but putts better here than he does compared to other places. So if you're looking for a silver lining there. 8,300 is about as low as you get for Hideki, but uh, it's hard to get on board, but man, I want to. 8,300 is a good price. I don't know. I just, like I said, I just kept, my lineup uh, pattern has been like stars and scrubs. Like my, the most common thing I do is start JT Speed, Rom, two of those three. And then I just start building. That's That's been what I've, how I've been approaching this. And I, I get a lot of, I end up with a lot of Corey Connors that, 6,900. Um, Matt Kuchar ends up is ending up in a lot of my lineups. Uh, that's kind of where I'm going with this, but that is a good, if you're going to take the mid tier strategy that you're talking about, Scott, uh, Hideki's that's a great price. That's someone with that major championship pedigree, no wins, but it's close. And he's played Augusta enough. He's, he's shown it. So he could certainly pay off that price. I'm, if I'm shopping in that price, I'm taking uh, cam Smith at 8,200 instead. Two, uh, two top fives here in the last three years. It's uh, it certainly uh, certainly likes the course. 
Yeah, or Fitzpatrick said 81. That's I mean, I, I want yeah. both of those Shepard over Hideki. 84. But and, and your point there is good. I just wonder if everybody's going to take Smith and, and Fitz, and maybe you get Hideki at like a really low ownership for the talent. But um, you know, it's, you have to pick your spots, and it's uh, it's tough. It's it's hard not to go Smith or Fitz just right there. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it is, and that's this thing. And I and you're, you're if you're doing lots of lineups, yeah, then sure. I think it's a little bit different. Sure. Um, I tend to do like two or three. Uh, so. Uh, they're 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 scarce for me. So uh, the, the spots are scarce for me. So I probably won't spend a whole lot on that. Um, any other uh, things you want to point out? Any other players you want to discuss uh, before we uh, talk about all the master swag that we're wearing and any uh, war stories we have? So I wanted to bring up one prop for you guys. I just thought it was really fun. The top Oklahoma State finisher. We got Hovland at plus 110, Answer at plus 175, Wolf at plus 275. Crazy that school has spit out all those players and Ricky Fowler's not even in the tournament. Um, but yeah. uh, I kind of li- like Answer there at plus 175 uh, to, to, to win that group. Yeah, that, I, I, you're getting us some pretty favorable odds. I like it. Sure. That's a, that's a fun prop. It just shows what a great yeah. uh, program they have. Are there any uh, are there any long shots you guys like to you know throw a couple bucks on anybody like over fifty to one that uh, you guys uh, you guys are dropping uh, you think it's worth a couple bucks on? I mean, I would, what is what is Phil's odds? I mean, it's it's crazy, it's it's ridiculous. But at the same time, if you're if you're right, he is a hundred 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 seventy five to one. Yeah, I I have I have five dollars for that. Uh, if someone wants to take it uh, at those odds, absolutely. At the, at the exact same price, I like. I actually like Ryan Palmer at one seventy five to one. Also, I think he's a guy that um, he's one seventy five. Oh, okay, all right. I got five more dollars. Yeah, uh, I think that a, a few bucks on Palmer. That's how they get you. I think a yep. few a few bucks on Max Homa at one hundred to one. It makes a little bit of sense. You know, didn't play well his last couple tournaments. Uh, the match play and then the miscut cut before that was playing really well before that. And we talked a lot about Corey Connors. Corey Connors is 81. Jeff mentioned 100 to 1 out there. Um, I think he's a guy that could win the tournament. Uh, Sergio 60 to 1. I mean, I, it's really, what's great about majors, you get these big names at big prices. I mean, Finau's 35 to 1. Reed's 35 to 1. Fitz is 40 to 1. I'll definitely have some, some money in some of those mid range guys. Uh, it's just, it's fun. There's so many guys at the top. You can take really good name players at 35 and get some really good prices on guys. No, that's a fun exercise. And sometimes you get Danny Willett. As, as, uh, as I know well, sometimes you do get Danny Willett. That was a very fun year. I still thank Jordan Spieth for the two balls into Ray's Creek. Yeah. What uh, app did you get on Willett that year? Uh, I had he was he was much longer earlier on, but I was in Vegas for the NFBC uh, baseball draft, so I had him uh, had him at fifty to one. So I won. I had twenty bucks on him at fifty one. So it was a nice uh, it was a nice ticket to uh, to take in when I was uh, back in Vegas in September. It was uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Scott and I went, the only year we've gotten to go is 2019. Scott won the lottery for the last practice round in the par three tournament. That was a fun, fun day. He's wearing his hat. I'm drinking from my master's water cup. Oh, water cup. Uh, But it's water today, at least. But uh, Jeff, you you had a story about your shirt. Oh, oh, it's nothing big. It was just, my logo looks a a little different from your guys. I don't know if, I don't know if the camera picks it up. Uh, This is the Augusta National Golf Club logo. Uh, it's not the Masters logo. This is what they sell in the pro shop ah. uh, at Augusta. Oh. Uh, the media is was uh, for a number of years. I don't believe they have access anymore. I, I had heard there was a problem of of merch from the pro shop showing up on eBay. Uh, some ju- nice and, uh, entrepreneurial journalists. Uh, <laughs> Journalism's a tough racket. I get it. Have you, you know, uh, have you ever uh, gotten to? Have you ever won the chance to get to play the next couple of days? That some of the journalists do. There is a lottery for that, right? There, there is a lottery. I, uh, I was so I've, I've attended the Masters as a credentialed media member from 2011 to 2019, and uh, I there were two years I wasn't able to enter because of Monday commitments, but I've not won. So I think I'm 0 for seven uh, in nine credentialed. Yeah, it's like I'm starting to become the Charlie Brown of the <laughs> of the press center of that, that thing. So. But I always bring my clubs because they don't do rentals at Augusta National. So I've got the clubs like tucked in the rental car. Drag them through the airport, drag them back home. <laughs> oh, you don't you don't find you don't find out if you you don't find out if you won ahead of time. So you just have to like be ready. Yo, they so they draw on I believe it's Friday around noon. You find uh, out if I'm not mistaken, and then there's a meeting on uh, Saturday or Sunday midday with all the after it's after the cut. So it's Saturday Sunday. Everybody gets who's won gets called in the press room and they get kind of the rundown of uh, they get their specific tea time, their group. 
they're allowed to show up. I think I think it's an hour, maybe it's a half hour, probably an hour so they can warm up. One hour before your tea time, like you can, you know, show your pass the gate and you're in and you get to use the range, have breakfast, um, get dressed in the locker room. That's awesome. And uh, play around and, and then grab a kind of grab a snack and go. So that is uh, it's really like um, I've had a lot of fun in, in nine. Actually, I went to one other one at a previous job. So I've been to 10 Masters. I've had a lot of fun, but that is like one of the – that's like my white whale uh, <laughs> is that that lottery uh, one, one of these years. Hopefully next year, you know, they'll be back to a fully credentialed uh, press center. And I look forward to getting back and throwing my ticket in the fishbowl again to see if uh, if it gets pulled out. So. Maybe you got to like warm it up a little bit so they can feel it or a little bit better there or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like fold it like an accordion, right? So you have more edges to grab. That's what – but no, they just – it's just like you can't fold it. You just like – it's like a ticket you tear off of your – media badge and just somewhere how many winners are there uh i believe it's 28 so seven foursomes they don't they don't like put you with a member then they just let you go or they yeah no it's no it's you're with other journalists and uh or other media other credentialed media members uh they have different buckets they'll have like a photography bucket and international journalists and they'll they'll, so they'll pick you know tickets from different buckets to get a, a kind of a wide representation of uh, you know, I think people. you should call yourself Jeff Van Ritter and uh, <laughs> go to. in the, the Dutch bucket there. There's yeah. some there's some really cool uh, there's some really cool like next day write ups of the you know journalists who got to play and then wrote about uh, playing the course. Yeah. There's a, like yeah. every year every year there's always one or two really good pieces about guys going out there and playing. It's it's really fun. Yeah, but I think get, I like those stories you know, better. Yeah, you get caddies. <laughs> I believe it's still the Sunday pins, if I'm not mistaken, and you just you know grandstands are up and. Uh, uh, yeah, it, uh, one of these days and we'll, uh, I'll come on and tell that whole story, uh, obviously happily whenever it happens. So nice. But, uh, nice. other than that, I've, I've had a lot of fun and done just about everything else you can do, I think is a credentialed member, uh, within the, within the rules of the club. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, it's been a good run. All right. So just as a reminder for everyone to sign off, our winners are Scott. Uh, I'm going, uh, John Rahm, uh, win this tournament, uh, 12 to one odds. I think it's time. Good pick. Justin Thomas is going to win, though. I was going to say JT as well. So uh, I, I, that means Rom's got a better chance because if the two Jeffs are saying it, there it's but it's it's a good pick. Uh, so all right, two one Rom and two JTs. We're really going chalky here, but that's all right. And you're and we'll just say and one underdog that's going to be in the top five. Underdog in the top five. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll go. Uh, Ryan Palmer and Corey Connors will be my top five bets. You know, you can you can actually bet top fives and majors, which is fun. And then if you want to go a little bit deeper and you want to oh, want a winner bet, I'd go. Uh, I'd go Reed and Matthew Fitzpatrick at thirty five and forty to one. I will have some money in on both those guys to win. I'll say Kucher through the back door on and Sunday. Phil. And Phil. Uh, <laughs> top five. I like the Connors pick a lot. Also, very good. All right, that's going to do it for uh, Gaming Golf uh, Master's Edition. Please, as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Please give us a bunch of feedback. Tell us what you want to hear from us. Tell us what you want that help us set us apart from other podcasts you may listen to. So we appreciate you listening. Good luck in your master's pools, and take care. Have a great day. Discover speakers for all around your home and beyond at Sonos.com, including Move and the all-new Rome. This latest portable addition to the Sonos system is smart, lightweight, waterproof, and ready for any adventure. So start yours now at Sonos.com.